Welcome, everybody, to Alchemy Answers episode 79. Uh, we are joined this week by none other than Ninja Boogie. Um, Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Yeah, you know, just chilling at home like everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, perfect time for people to tune into a podcast, right? And we're going to talk some Dota. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with Ninja Boogie, you played with Mineski, TNC, several other uh, SEA teams, including Rave. Um, you played mm-hmm. a ton of different tournaments. You played at the International several times. Um, you're a support player, right? Have you always played position five, or have you moved around in terms of your positions a little bit? Uh, uh, early on in my career, I was playing the carry role um, back in Dota 1, and then my stint in Han, I was like sw- swapping over mid and carry. And as it progressed, and it, when I was in Team Rave, uh, I slowly transitioned just because I, f- I felt like I couldn't lead the team as well as i could like in the carry role okay uh, so yeah yeah it's tough when you have to have like a super global perspective of what's going on in all of the lands and all of your heroes when you're focused on farming and stuff like that yeah so i, I made that transition and then uh, i try to like every now and then while i'm pubbing just um play cores just to keep up with the uh, mechanical skills needed sure and you don't want to just be all all support it's always good if you know every every role true definitely uh yeah getting a couple questions chat he is a frozen face on the camera right now doesn't have a webcam enabled so just you know enjoy this wonderful picture of him in his Mineski days Uh, (laughs) what tournament was that by the way uh i think is it the yellow shirt wait let me let me open it up and check uh Oh, that's uh, ESL Birmingham. Nice. That's when we were walking into the stage. My 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 manager and friend really likes that photo. That's awesome. He uses that. He uses that for a lot of things. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Um, let me just ask you before we get into the, the questions from from chat and our Patreon supporters of Dota Alchemy. How is it walking onto a stage? Have you played like? Did you play traditional sports at all? Um, are you a fan of traditional sports? Because I have to imagine that it's it's kind of the same. Like walking out into a stadium of thousands of people cheering and stuff like that. It's, it's probably pretty nuts. Yeah, like I mean, I had my uh, history of like varsity sports back in high school. We have won a few football tournaments and obviously the the size of the crowd is a lot less and usually it's just like parents and whatnot (laughs) so like unless you're like in the bigger tournaments but it it always feels good you know it's like gives you that adrenaline and energy to want to play and give you know give give a good show to the the fans that's super cool i uh i played sports my whole life and so i've always been a big fan of how like esports has kind of moved into that direction a little bit with like these big live events and actually um ti6 was the first big esports tournament that i went to um i'd been mm-hmm. to like a couple lands when i was in high school and stuff like that but it was like the first really big tournament and walking into key arena and like seeing the atmosphere there i was like esports is gonna be so big it's like gonna be a global phenomenon uh, phenomenon as soon as i was actually at that tournament i was convinced 100 percent. yeah it's not um cool well um let's go ahead and hop into some of these questions we got some good ones i curated them a little bit um take Mm -hmm. these mostly from uh my patron supporters but we will get to chat questions a little bit as well i like to do a speed round at the end of these segments if we have time um but a lot of them are pretty like support focused and pretty kind of like meta just how to do stuff um in the current Mm -hmm. game so I think you'll be able to give us some good insight. And uh, the first one is by a user named iChug Coolant. Probably don't do that. It sounds <laughs> don't do that. Rather that's... unhealthy, but <laughs> sounds like a death sentence. <laughs> yeah, that's not his question though. You know, let him let him do what he's gonna do. He says he's recently realized that he has a fifty six percent lifetime win rate on Radiant compared to forty nine percent on Dire. I think probably using Dota buffs to look at that. Uh, have you ever analyzed this yourself, and can you share your thoughts on the subject why that might be the case? Um, I think the patches prior, or maybe like a few years back, um, 
there is a heavy advantage of Radiant just because uh, what was the mindset back then? Uh, like Roshan's at the ra Radiant area, so it's normally like Radiant wants to play top, and then Dire wants to play bottom because the easiest tower to get is always the safe lane tower, because uh, it's like the the backup is if they're not prepared, they have to TP in. And if they all TP in one spot, it's that's never a good way to defend the tower. So like the the tier two is really far away from the tier one, and there's no other ways to connect easily unless you're either predict the push or you know you're prepared. So like the most natural way to take towers is like you take the safe lane. So if Dyer takes a safe lane and they're controlling the bottom area of the map, they're losing Roshan control. So Ro Radiant always has this advantage of like uh, this natural way to keep pushing up the the easy lane and they have this roshan advantage so you like in the patches prior to that you always see like radiant uh teams pick at least one hero that's very good at uh dealing with roche mm -hmm. because you take advantage of that um map control that you have but since now they changed it where okay you can control roche or you can control the ancients it's become a little bit more 50 50 and you have both shrines there, so both teams kind of have like a 50-50. So I think the way the game is now, you don't really see that big of an advantage, but back in the days, it was a really big uh, rad radiant advantage when Roshan was there. And then it became a dire advantage game when they moved Roshan to that bottom area of the map right. uh, for, uh, for a few patches. So yeah, yeah. it's usually based on the Roshan positioning. Yeah, I was just going to say, back when Roshan was on the bottom side of the map, it was like everybody was just trying to pick Dire in all of those games. And, I mean, the the Aegis is like the key to going high ground in ending games for most, at yeah. least in most like competitive games and even in pubs. So it makes sense that just like natural game flow is kind of dictating that advantage. Um, mm -hmm. and, and yeah, now with like the Ancients being on, kind of on the, the Dire section of the map that you'd control... It is a little bit more balanced, but at the same time, I, I feel like there's... Do you think that it actually brings a little bit more, like, strategy diversity? Like, a Radiant team might want to focus more on Roche, whereas a Dire team might want to focus more on, like, ancient farming heroes like Sven, Luna, that kind of stuff? It used to be like that, but, um, again, I haven't been playing since TI9, mm -hmm. um, so I don't really have, like, the the insight of, like, how a team plans. You know, it's just what I get um, from watching games and whatnot. But prior to like this current map, you know, like you always have like the dire team going for the late game because they always had this triangle mm. where it was so hard to go in. Like I mean, you still have the triangle, like that's where the ancients are, and then there was only like I think one access point or two access. I forgot how the map looks like already back in the day. <laughs> right. But like that was the dire strat always, just turtle until like you get a Medusa with like three, four items, and then you can run down. Okay. Get, uh, run down the lane. So that actually was something that, that pro teams were trying to focus yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. The, the, there was like I think it was um pre TI five or was it pre TI six? No, TI five, yeah. It was very like you have lineups based on what your position I mean if you're radiant or dire. Cool. Awesome. Um all right, the next question is from Indy and he says that he, she, maybe. Um I often find in my games there's someone playing mid from the offlane, but not as good when I'm the four. So basically, like, uh, this is kind of in reference to a replay review session that I did with him where I was saying that I think that he's about to play offlane, or he's about to play position four as if he's the offlaner, but just worse. Because in pubs, you know how people will, like, pick a role, but then they won't actually do that role's job, and they'll just kind of, like, do something else. Um, mm-hmm. And so he's asking, what are you supposed to do if your offlaner is playing as if they're the mid, like maybe taking more farm, maybe not really building aura items, building damage, that kind of stuff. Um, if you're the four, what are you supposed to like build the aura items for them to kind of like fill that hole? Or should you just try and play your role to the best of your ability and hope that it still works out? Mm, I think... It's a it's a tough situation because like one one thing is like you can only the only thing you can really do is try to communicate and hope that you know he's willing to work together as a team to win. If not, like 
a lot of position fours don't really benefit from all these aura items. Right. And maybe you'll have a, a specific item that maybe you need to rush, like let's say spirit vessel. But even then, that's not really an aura item that a position three goes. So I think my advice is just like tr do your best to try to get him like to coordinate together as a team. But if he really is just gonna stick and play his own game, you just gotta do the best you can to win. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's maybe like a little bit of a balance that you have to strike where you, know, yeah. you get your spirit vessel, like the item that activates your hero, but then you also have to maybe pick up like a pipe instead of something else later mm -hmm. on or something like that. It's because tough. also like the, the one thing that you should keep in mind is like a, a position four can be a really big game changer. You know, like you see like these godlike players like Jerax, right. you know, like they they make so many things happen because of their position. So just try to keep that mindset. It's like if your position three is playing like mid, maybe you have to think of like how you can take over the game as in your position. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I say you should think about this every in any position. Even position five can take over the games uh, if you're just patient enough to you know take the the right timing. Yeah, totally. Uh, so kind of like. If you do your job as well as you possibly can, a lot of the time that will make up for deficiencies in terms of your team's itemization or how they're playing. Mm -hmm. um, and then he also has a second part question, which is, he says, a life meta question, which is, how do you motivate yourself to do work and not play Dota? I try to limit myself to two to three games a day, but if I lose the first two, it's hard not to want to play more and get that MMR back. Uh, it's tough. Like I, I, I'm not sure if I'm the best person to answer this <laughs> because my my work is Dota. Right. Um, but you know, balance. I guess like, uh, you know, as much as I'd love it, is like I'd love to just play nonstop. But I have also other, you know, obligations. You know, I have to take care of my dog. I can't just ignore. It. So it's like it's kind of like a balance thing. And yeah. yeah, you know, you you'd love to like I I actually go through this mindset right um like during the quarantine. It's like oh, I'd love to just grind that MMR I lost, but mm. you know, like my girlfriend's sleeping in my room, and if I'm playing while she's sleeping, she's gonna have a bad time because right. my keyboard's really loud. So I'll be like, oh, it's okay. I can always do that tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. You know, you can always make it up for tomorrow. Plus, at the same time, I, I don't know, from my personal experience, every time that I kind of go in with the mindset of, like, I'm going to go win this MMR, inevitably, loss streak happens. Like, because you're so yeah. focused on the results of the game instead of playing the game itself, that yeah, no. it's, it's almost like a losing mindset to try and go for more. I, I, I was actually in a big losing streak, like, because I was just like, I, I should be higher, you know, like, I, 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 was, I was unhappy with where I was and, like, my rank and my number. And I was just like, I wasn't really enjoying so i was being a rager and i realized when i started being more pma and more relaxed and oh i lost okay you know okay maybe i'll flame a, te a teammate once in a while if they really are horrible but like 80 percent more positive mindset like actually helps a lot yeah you hear that chat you hear that everybody listening even ti players are unsatisfied with their rank and go through the same stuff so <laughs> you, you guys are not alone out there <laughs> all right our next question is from h-man and he asks he-man yeah he-man h-man <laughs> how to overcome the stress of playing ranked instead of unranked which has no strings attached so ranked anxiety is definitely something that people deal with have you ever dealt with that uh, not really, because like I actually treat both of them the same. Um, oh, interesting. Which I don't know if it's good or bad. Like I'll be as serious as I can with my friends, and you can ask them. Like I'm, I want to win every game I play. Mm. Like I will try to win. But I think a better answer to that is just like don't value so much like the MMR. It's just a number, you know. Like mm. if you're unhappy with where you are, just keep trying to learn and improve with like. The knowledge you've got you've got because if you keep like thinking oh my mmr is so low i'm not good enough you're just like adding more negativity in your in your mind and it's gonna like hamper your 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 rate of improvement so so it's I, it goes back to just being more positive and just not 
you know, thinking so much of your rank, your MMR. Like, even if you lose, you can always learn from, you know, uh, your losses. And you actually learn more from your losses than your wins. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, at the end of the day, like, MMR is basically just a measure of how good you are at understanding and adapting to the game. So, like, if you just get better at the game, your MMR goes up. Whereas if you're specifically trying to get MMR and you're worrying about that going to the games that we kind of just talked about it in the last question most of the time you're focusing on the wrong part of the game mm -hmm. to actually get better and win yep <laughs> um, all right we have another question about this sort of mmr uh sure. issues so a lot of people are very concerned about their mmr they, so... they, they want the secrets in in getting <laughs> mmr exactly especially <laughs> especially as the support because as, as many people know, it, it can be a little bit. Would you say it's tougher to climb as a support? Or do you think that you can actually just have more impact as... as it, it is. Uh, I realize, like, it's harder, like... Uh, I think there was a short stint where they divided, like, the MMR, mm -hmm. where you get a support in the core, right? And I realized when, like, I get in a game and I'm usually, like, the highest rank and I get, like, a bunch of, like, low low high rank mmr players it's a bit harder because like they their mechanical skills as a core isn't like up there yet like up to par mm -hmm. so so like it's it's a bit harder to carry them because again you can only do so much as support you're not taking the farm like or you're not taking more of the farm so if like you're they're up against a a stronger mechanical player they like if they lose the lane like 3 and 0 it's hard to make them recover Right, because yeah. like they get tilted and whatnot. So, yeah, unless you're playing some like shadow shaman or something like that, you can take the game into your own hands, take towers a lot yeah. of the time. At the end of the day, you kind of have to wait for them to actually push or go high ground or get objectives. Because it go it it goes both ways. Like a good support player will shut down a a a good core player, mm -hmm. but a, if a good player a good core player like goes a, like gets snowball like because he wins the laning phase, he can also shut down the the support player from having a good game so right. it kind of goes like both ways yeah that makes sense um so this question is from silk silk enver um and they ask how to handle that downswing of ranked matches how do you focus on your own individual performance rather than mmr wins and losses um this is actually a many part question. How do you get your team to work together and use effective communication during your match? And do you have any thoughts on like an ideal training schedule? Like, should you review replays once per day? Should you watch guide videos? Should you play a specific number of matches, study your own games, that kind of stuff? What would you recommend for getting better? Mm, okay. Well, um, definitely watch your own replays, like as much as you can. Um, like, uh, let's see. Like as soon as the game's done, like you know what caused caused the game to lose. Like, so you have to ask yourself: Did I play my best? Like, did I do any personal mistakes? Then you can like slowly narrow the the the, the fault of, of why you lost, and then you can identify. Like for example, if you think you did bad in this clash, like oh why was your positioning so bad? Like you can slowly narrow it down. And then you can pinpoint it when you do watch the replays. Because, like, I don't know if... Uh, my mindset is, like, when I'm playing whatever game, I'll, like, key, make a, like, a keynote on my head. Like, oh, this this minute, this fight, I did horrible. So, like, mm. I'll review it straight after the game. And then I'll see, like, okay, where should I have stood, you know? And then I'll, I'll keep that mental note. So, like, going into the next game, I'll be fresh. And I just keep, like, learning from, like, what I did wrong. Okay. Do you actually like take notes, or is it just kind of like all done in your head? It's all done in my head. Like I used to, um, you know, like back when I was, uh, but like I, I, I'm confident with my photogenic memory. So, <laughs> gotcha. But like, like if you really do want to get better, it's really a mix of both. Like if, and it also depends what kind of player you are, because there are some players who they need to like play more amount of games like and i'm speaking from like the pro level like i've seen players where they need more a lot um they need more games to like have that information like um jammed in them mm -hmm. and i i've seen like uh uh other players who just play a few games but they'll intensely watch replays 
and they learn a lot more because they can just they're very good at applying what they've seen gotcha so it, it is kind of personal depending on on how you mm-hmm. function as as a person learning i suppose yeah there's i mean there's there's like visual learners there's kinesthetic learners who need to like do stuff there's people who learn by being taught from somebody mm-hmm. directly so it is kind of a, a personal journey i suppose yeah um okay here's a here's a quick question from chat uh any sure. tips for low bracket mmr to rank up in this current patch do you play with like low mmr friends do you do you experience those games at all or <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm i made a smurf to like play with them but i'm still not i, I can't rank because uh it's uh like you need 100 in-game played mm. hours to rank or something but they they asked me this and i think my best advice is to which i also told them is just like fixate on a few heroes on your role you know and then just try to play it as best you can and keep learning like again you have to watch replays it's it's boring you know but you know, if you want to improve you got to do that mm-hmm. um and then just limit it to a few heroes and then cuz as you get better with a certain like with your few set of heroes you'll also learn like how other heroes are supposed to be played because you know you see it in action you see what they can do you know you see their itemization so you're also like um absorbing all this information that you get from playing against these heroes so you don't have to play all the heroes in the world to rank up. You just need to play a few. There you go. I mean, we've been talking about how important hero spamming is to learning the game. Like, there's there's too much to digest in Dota if you're trying yeah. to like sample everything there is. So, uh, completely agreed on that. I mean, even like like you were saying early on, um, you need to play all the roles to learn all the roles, but. If you're trying to like specifically gain MMR, you probably just want to focus on like one, maybe two roles and like two or three heroes in those roles. Yeah, I mean that goes also both ways, you know, like if you're focusing on your one one role, like eventually you're going to learn how supports play cuz you'll either see them in your replays or you'll just see how they move or see how they talk, you know. Mm-hmm. Like eventually you'll just absorb all this knowledge, like all this information that goes along. Totally. All right. Uh, next question from Stained Chips is: I just started playing Oracle, and I've been loving it. Aside from mechanics, what are the most important things I need to be focusing on when playing him in any given game? Are you an Oracle player? Mm, yeah, I've been playing Oracle. It's one of my favorite position fives as of late. It's just I like saving, being able to save heroes. Um, I mean. Positioning is very important, and actually, uh, obviously, uh, itemization. Uh, you always got to see what is the ideal item build you need to go. Like, do you need a glimmer? Uh, do you need Aether Lens? Mm-hmm. Um, you always want to be able to adapt to whatever situation you're in. Um, but you also have to remember not to like forget that uh for example i don't know this is pretty basic but you know you can also use faith edict as a way to negate physical damage uh so just don't think it like it's for your teammates you can also that's a very good disarm mm-hmm. skill um and yeah i mean i think as for the hero of oracle it's just about positioning and spell casting so and itemization yeah Sure. Yeah, like And I always mean, bring salves. Salves is always like bring salves. very very that's eight hundred heal. <laughs> or grab a shovel if you can. That's like the most OP yeah. item on Oracle, right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I uh that's definitely a hero that's been really on the rise in like the competitive scene and something that I've been wanting oh, to and, learn and, myself. And don't forget to last it. Like like it's actually pretty good if you get like a few early kills. Mm. Uh, it can help you snowball, and you'll be like good with all the supporting items, and then slowly transition into your uh, item builds. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Purifying flame, super good at quote unquote kill securing. Right? It's not kill stealing. It's uh, kill securing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> if your if your cores complain, just don't save them. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta, you gotta teach them a lesson, right? Like, if I have a good game, you have a good game, so deal with it, right? 
Um, all right, another question from chat. Uh, this one's for you specifically, which is, can you name four players that you would like to play with uh, that you think you could win a TI with if you came back to competitive? Like, if you had to build a four-person team, who would who would you want to pick for your team? I'm biased. I always felt like um, both the Manessi squads that I went to uh, could have done could have done it. Mm-hmm. Uh, TI eight, you know, it's just uh, it's unlucky what happened. The team was like slowly falling apart, uh, entering to TI, and with TI nine, like. No one believed in us because obviously we were such like a uh, you know we we got Nico Baby like two weeks before or like right. a month before. So yeah, that was like, crazy. You didn't really you didn't really know what to expect. But I was the only one among the team where I said like I think we should stick together mm-hmm. and give it another shot. But you know, I think if we were able to pull off that two zero against Secret, I think we could have gotten like at least top six. Crazy Maybe momentum from that, probably too. I would imagine. Yeah. So I mean, I I I picked those two squads. Cool. Just because I I always believed in them. All right, and I gotta ask kind of a follow up question. Uh, I'm sure mm-hmm. people would be curious. They've seen how much of a character Ice 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 is. Uh, what's he like mm-hmm. as a teammate? Is he uh, quiet? Is he like outspoken? Is he nuts? <laughs> He's kind of all of that, you know, like. Uh uh he's he's never there's never a boring time with ice for sure mm-hmm. uh and it's it's mostly positives um obviously he has like he's a he's a human being he has some bad days too um but you know he's definitely a guy that's always fun to be around and even until now it's like he's always it's always good fun cool cool yeah. it's it's not all for camera you know like he's gotcha. He's a good guy. Comes through in his play too. He's always, always having mm. a good time. It seems like when he's playing the game. Yeah, just don't give him Sand King. <laughs> noted, noted. <laughs> All right. This next question is from Vray Vokden, and he asks: Is it a bad idea to base my play or build around my teammates' big ultimates like Chronosphere or Black Hole? I've lost a lot of games because I tend to play around the idea that I can dump spells into a well-placed ultimate. Um, and try to bait the the team fight to set up for an easy five man RP or black hole or chronosphere. Seems like very often when I play this way, I end up losing because of poorly used ultimates by my teammates. Um, and I'm all for leaving my team to take bad fights while I split push, but I tend to get stuck in the mindset of that I should be fighting around these big ultimates, um, and it's almost essential to win games based on that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think it's a bad mindset. Uh, I think you gotta take what what's ever given and like whatever is like the best opportunity. You know, uh, for example, if you can get two to three heroes in your LT, that's already good enough. Uh, I think trying to aiming to get or aiming or saving to get more is too greedy. If it happens, it happens. You know, like the enemy slips up. But I think if you're keeping that mindset, you're looking down too much on the opponent and thinking they're they're such dummies to just walk in as five you know you, mm. you never want to underestimate your opponent so you always want to take what you can get yeah uh you know like i'm sure th- there's like a like most things in dota there's a balance right you know if mm-hmm. you don't want to just be black holing the first person that you see every single game <laughs> every oh, single for team sure. fight. yeah i mean you have to like but, priority list you know like go right. who, who, who do we need to like aim with these ultis don't just ulti the two supports i mean obviously if the two supports are being a big problem then yeah you have to identify why you're losing or what is making you win the team fights right then you can keep adjusting your plans with each team fight yeah and that's another good point is you know don't be afraid to just use your spells and then adjust like if it doesn't go well then take note of why but if you never actually try because you're like being too patient then you might not actually figure out whether it's a good idea to be waiting or or who you should be going on so sometimes you actually have to make a mistake and then adjust in a game to actually figure out what your win condition is if you're not sure Mm -hmm. and also you can also like base on it like if like you can tell if someone's really like on fire in the game like he's going away with so many things just if you need to use your big ulti to stop this guy or like give give him a heat check you know like 
totally like, use it on him like basketball you gotta sometimes you gotta put your big guy on the guy who's scoring a bunch of points just to like screw with his momentum yeah. a little bit it is a mental game for yeah. sure i totally agree with that yep. uh, a lot of people ask about like how to beat smurfs in games like if, if somebody you know that's it like that's yeah. one of the better ways like i agree just try try like work together with a teammate and just say like we gotta focus this guy we you know like that's the only guy you need to focus on uh if you kill the smurf every, everyone else is you know it's not so hard to deal with yeah and and there's a good chance that he'll probably start flaming his teammates because they are technically much yeah. worse than he is and he's gonna be complaining about how bad they're playing so it's one of the best ways to pull apart a team is to make their best player hate the rest of his teammates all right next question is from Wooshbar, and he asks how do pro players innovate mostly um like when position five ember came onto the scene was it just something that was seen in scrims do pros sort of like see pub players maybe griefing with it, but it actually ends up working? Um, is it something that you guys are like planning? Or are you researching this? Like, how do how do you actually come up with new ideas um, and and knowing well, that certain heroes will work in other positions like that? Well, I can't speak for anyone else, but I can speak for myself. Um, it's a bit of everything. Like, I to take away from all the seriousness in the game, I play with my friends who they're pretty low mmr but you know like a lot of times i'll goof around you know picking support heroes as mid and then um whatnot doing stupid item builds stupid stupid builds or maybe it's something that um we see in a pub game that hasn't been used mm -hmm. so one example would be like a lot before before talents came out i was already doing like wyvern core before i did it nice and then um like I was just playing mid and just owning people and the normal games, and then when Ice, when when I I became teammates with Ice and he came up with this suggestion, like oh I think Wyvern would be a good off lane. Everyone else was like, huh? Like why? And then, and then I instantly said, it's great. It's a great core. You're gonna have so much fun. <laughs> and then we did it in the pub. I mean, we did it in a scrim and it worked out really well. And then it just went. And then another thing that like I think this was going in DAC the one we won um we noticed like i think me jabs and ice were in a in a pub game and we saw like an underlord solo roshan at like 13 minutes oh back in his percentage based on firestorm yeah he just went helm of dominator and we're like what the how how the hell did he do that and after that like we just we did it with every underlord game <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like you get the information anywhere or for at least for me and sure. sometimes you know like you'll look like i'll just stare at the hero list and like oh this hero can play like this and it's most of the time it doesn't work sometimes and then other times you know it works sure have you uh have you seen this support sniper the four sniper agonims rush oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> before the nerf i mean before like the talent nerf it, it was oh, it's op it was actually like before it got picked i was really thinking like these talents are so good right like, 25 cooldown like 50 percent slow for shrapnel and then you get a stun and i was just like this actually could be a support because Funny enough, we we tried running sniper support back in like uh, with jabs, uh -huh. and we I think we ran it in in TI, and then it lost horribly. <laughs> but like in our TI boot camp, we won every game against like all the top teams, like all the TI teams with sniper support. Wow, uh, that's why. And then we got flamed because we lost <laughs> in, in the official match. But people don't really know we actually did try it out. That's awesome. I, I bet it, it must be pretty fun to have somebody like Jabs on a team with you who's like, he was a core player before, right? Before he transitioned to yeah. support. So he's got probably all sorts of crazy ideas of how to play these core heroes as support Jab, heroes. J Jabs has the biggest advantage because he has like the, the Thai community behind him. So this is how Jabs gets some of his innovative stuff. The Thai community will tell him like new uh, bugs and stuff. <laughs> so like we'll figure like we'll just demo it to like finally learn and then like we'll we'll know it because like people tell jabs that oh this is like like there was like that morphling terror blade bug where he can metamorph and transform back 
and uh-huh. then, like he'll morph back and he'll still be metamorphosis like a lot of these <laughs> things like i'm like how the hell did you find this out it's like oh my friend pm me well, that's funny so like, he, he's just like crowdsourcing information right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right that's why fanatic's been doing so well recently um <laughs> And I gotta say, I've ever since um, they changed Warcry on Sven, I've been like, Sven is definitely an offlane hero. He's just like the perfect aura carrier, and I've been telling like friends that this is this is totally something that's supposed to work because he's a terrible core right now. It feels like so he's got to be playable somewhere. And sure enough, I was looking at S4's games today, and he's been spamming offlane Sven, going Helma Dominator into Blink Dagger every game and winning with it. So. There you go. Yeah, I, I I saw ice going through like a Sven stage too. So I don't know. Maybe you've discovered something. <laughs> All right. Well, Jabs, uh, I'll give you my number. You know, you can pass it on to him if you ever need some more ideas. <laughs> All right. Next question is from Hybrid Theory, and he asks, "What are three main differences between a pub player and a pro player?" We see a lot of pub players who are super high MMR but don't make the transition to pros but then there are some that reach a super high MMR and then do transition into being successful pros. What do you think makes the difference? Uh, I think the biggest difference is like the team game the, the team aspect of the game um, I, I mean obviously there's a lot of high MMR stars and whatnot, and you know their mechanical skills are very high but since they're so used to playing solo for the longest of time it it either takes them such a long time to transition into this like team style play and having to like maybe change their the way they play uh to a certain degree to fit the team and sometimes that causes like a negative uh like um aspect into their game like they start losing maybe confidence and whatnot because maybe they're not they're not playing the game they want to play so like my difference would be like Pros know how to work with like one another, mm-hmm. um, and like MMR people are still just like more in the solo. Have you ever like scouted any talent? Like was Ninja or uh, not Ninja Boogie? Was uh, Nico Baby somebody that you like you saw and were like, this guy will be good if he's on a team? Or mm. Mm. scouting, I haven't really done much um, because usually. I'm like I'm joining the team, um, but but we got Nico Baby. Uh, from what we felt and what we needed, we we saw from because we played against him, right? So I wouldn't really consider him a a pub star because he's already you know gotten like into a few amount of teams. Um, but other pub star like I don't know if you know this player like Yoi or something. Uh, he's like a C player. Uh, I think he's from Cebu too. He had like this one good game against, um, I think I forgot what team. But anyway, he had this one good game against a certain team, and everyone was like ah, overhyping him. It's like, yeah, he has mecha- good mechanical skills. He's a good individual player. But like as I'm seeing him like in like tournament games and whatnot, I'm still see that he's lacking that adjustment, you know, to the to to fit the team style. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you will see that sometimes, right? Where a, a like a super high skill player will, they'll kind of like be flashy and they'll maybe carry a game because they're on their signature hero and the game is set up well for them. And then the next game they'll just die, like mm-hmm. in super random places because they're playing like a pub when the other team is coordinated and focusing them. Yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely the case that I've seen from some of these pub stars trying to transition to pros and, and you know sometimes it takes them a while or sometimes it's like natural like i think miracle was like he was the f- pub star right and then right. as soon as he got og obviously like no tail and fly really like made the effort to make him comfortable mm-hmm. but yeah some some people don't make the that that transition yeah i i would say that probably coming under the wing of like an experienced captain is probably a huge piece of that success. Like I'm sure that yeah, Sumail probably would not have been the, the player that he was when he came in, if he hadn't been true. under somebody like PPD right off the yeah. bat. No, I, I agree a hundred percent. Awesome. Um, 
one question from chat while we're talking about this. Do you have any opinion on uh, Sumia? Do you know Sumia, the, the invoker spammer? Have you ever oh, played with the, him? Oh, the China invoker spammer? Yeah. Uh, China. Uh, I think I played with him a few times in, in like one of my times I'm in China, like in pub. Mm -hmm. uh, hey, he plays a pretty good invoker. You know? <laughs> um, what can I say? Like you put hero thousands pile, right? of hours. <laughs> you, you put thousands of hours into one hero. Obviously, you're going to be good to a right. certain degree. And other uh, like uh, like teams have hired like broodmother spammers to teach like their players. You know, like I, really, I, um, like for example, Mag, uh, the coach of Navi before when he used to play. Uh, I think. Oh yeah. Um, Vegas Squadron, I think, when they won ESL, like they hired a guy to train Mag to play Brood, and that guy has like nine thousand like Brood games or something like that. Wow! And they won, you know. Like, even if you're not like at the highest level, you're definitely like you, your knowledge of that one hero is going to be valuable because you've spent so much time on it. Sure. Wow, that's that's really cool. I had no idea that that was something that's happening. Yeah, but... they, they. I think they they also did that for Matumba man for i think when they won uh wow, that's, that's super cool huh uh, it makes sense i mean like somebody who has a thousand games on a hero is going to know all the little tricks that you'll just never find <laughs> by only playing 100 games on the hero or something like that that's pretty yeah. cool um all right we got one more final patreon question then we'll take a couple from chat and i'll let you go um mm-hmm I have been doing a lot of these hero tier list videos because people want to know like what the meta is as it shifts. It's constantly changing. Um, so I just released a position five tier list a couple days ago, mm -hmm. and they want to know whether I got it right or not, <laughs> what your opinion is on position five heroes. So I'll just read it to you. Um, okay. my, my S tier was three heroes, and it was Keeper of the Light, Grimstroke, and Oracle at the moment. And I'm basing this off of like high-level pubs and competitive scene. So not necessarily like Archon games. Maybe these heroes won't work as well there, but uh, this is the mm -hmm. S tier as, as I've defined it. So do you agree with that, or would you change anything there? Uh, Grim's definitely good. I probably wouldn't... Again, it depends like how well you play that hero. There's some... like. Uh, I, like if I was to play it, I wouldn't classify Grim as an S. Oracle definitely. Uh, what was the other one? Keeper. Keeper, yeah. Yeah, Keeper's good. For some reason, I want to put um, either Wyvern or Seam there, but I think Wyvern's better as a. F no, no, no. Okay, maybe not Wyvern. I would <laughs> add Seam there. I actually think Seam is Crystal actually Maiden. nuts. Really. I've actually played with a few people against a few people, and they go this Frostbite build. It is crazy how, like, no one rushes BKB anymore. Mm. Like, and they like, keep so buffing roots. These, so yeah, so like, so many heroes are like they kind of get owned by root. Interesting. Uh, and if you look at it, like, Frostbite's like a six-second cooldown, and you f you they're frozen for like three seconds. So it's it's like a three-second cooldown between the two two spells and. I don't know. I've I've had a lot of success with it. Um, like I've only did it twice, but it's pretty. I lost it like twice. So I think CM is kind of like slowly getting up there. But okay. I think my my sure bet of the class S hero. Obviously, you have Chen, but you have to be a Chen player. Right. So I was gonna um, say the the A tier that I have, and you know some of these uh, in the video, I kind of made the the stipulation that like if you're comboing a hero like Grimstroke or, or coddle with you know like ember or void spirit or ricky or something like that then mm -hmm. definitely s tier but if you're not oh, yeah. if you're not picking for the combo then maybe look elsewhere and so the a tier heroes were ogre snapfire bane jakiro chen and winter wyvern um i feel like all of those are mm -hmm. pretty strong laners and and have good yeah. you know mid and oh and you don't have lich uh, I I have Lich in B tier actually, and that's just because I've been noticing it's been losing a lot. It's like a forty four percent win rate in pro level pubs at the moment. So, yeah, that's actually true. Like like people pick Lich because it just owns the lane, but afterwards it's kind of like falls off. Um... Right, that's kind of how I feel. Like you could just pick a Bane instead, who has like essentially Lich's kit in terms of being able to grab people, but and bully the mm -hmm. lane. But you also are just like 
a bit more utility. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be opposed to putting Lich in A tier, but I was just basing it off of the win rate, and it seems to be kind of on the decline. So, Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. No, I, I can agree with that. Like, if this is just solely based on pubs, then yeah. Like, like if I was... If I if I'm playing position five, I'll definitely pick Oracle or CM if I want to get like good wins. Sometimes I even pick position five Rubik, but okay. that's only because I want to take over the game. Sure, yeah, that's <laughs> Rubik's always that hero. You're like, all right, you're not actually a position five player playing the five right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, Ogre's always good. Um, mm, Chikiro is like you have to know who you're playing against because it's kind of hard, right? Because position five usually you're picking first mm -hmm. or second in the MMR pool, right? So you want to pick a hero that's like well rounded, right? So like Chikiro, it kind of gets bullied by a lot. Um, so it's a good hero, obviously, if you can get a like if you can survive the laning phase and secure your carry of farm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. How do you feel about this this trend that's kind of happening recently where people are picking like position four heroes as fives? Like I've seen um players like SVG, uh, you know, the former coach of yeah. EG and um J Storm, I think, forward, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um he was picking like Tusk and Clockwork. Uh No Tail's been playing Earthshaker as a five. Do you think that that's something that's gonna start happening more and more, or is it just like a fad? Um, I think one way is to just like make reading the drafts a bit harder mm. um especially because obviously when you're drafting against or when you're playing official games or uh drafting you you know you can have more strategy to picking but when you're playing pub you can't really have that level of flexibility i've tried the position five or shaker and obviously it's it's good but if you don't, have, if your team is not well coordinated, it's gonna be a disaster. So, gotcha. Uh, I've 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 had good games with it as position five in a pub and horrible games because obviously if you're position five, you have no farm priority. So, right. like No Tail has had success with it because his his team is playing together. You know he's getting gold, he's getting assists. But if your team's just farming and you're a position five or a shaker, it's, it's it doesn't always go the best. Thirty-minute blink dagger, not not quite the same impact as like an eighteen-minute blink dagger. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Awesome. Um, all right. Well, that is the end of our Patreon questions. I'm just gonna double check see if there's any more. Looks like we got one more um, from another patron who says, "If you play with your friends in a four to five stack, when should you start to think about team skills versus in individual skills?" We are guardian to Archon players. Should we just focus on developing individually? Or what are the first types of team aspects that you should start thinking about or training for? I think you should always just, like, if you're in a low-level uh, skill, I mean, low MMR skill, like, you all should always think of your individual first because you can't be a good team player if you're not at a certain level, right? Like, you have to all be... Obviously, if you're all... Uh, what you say? If you're all in the same level, then yeah, you can work well together. But unless you're both like you're motivating each other to keep improving, things are gonna fall off pretty soon. Like, like it's either your like your mindset of the game is just playing for fun, or if you really wanna like reach divine immortals, whatnot, you guys have to be willing to keep pushing and like pushing and pushing each other and improving at at the same rate because. What if one of you falls behind? Like, will he still want to play with you? It's kind of like that. So, like, I would rather. My advice would just be focus on your individual first because uh, you have a lot to learn. You know, like you can't think of like the team aspect first. You gotta sure. think of like you have to be comfortable playing your hero first. You know, like you should be able to control your heroes without having to think what your next step is, then that's when you could slowly add the team aspect. You know, like everything is really muscle matter and uh, muscle um muscle memory. Mm -hmm. And then you know like you can all you can already just keep your minds uh focus on what the enemy wants to do. And then that's how you you know the the intense level of Dota thinking starts happening. 
Because if you're always like thinking, oh, I have to right click this creep, or I'm going to use my stun on this hero, then you're wasting a lot of time thinking, like, I don't know, wasting your, uh, a lot of time thinking on like stuff you should already know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like if we were to use a computer as an analogy, you'd, you'd be having like too many other processes running and just like lagging <laughs> the main thing that you're yeah. trying to do. Totally. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. Well, um, chat. Throw in your questions real quick. We'll take like five maybe speed round questions. We'll give you like 10 word answers. In the meantime, while you guys are thinking of your questions, make sure that you go check out Ninja Boogie on Twitter, Twitch, and follow him on Facebook as well. It's all Ninja Boogie with two E's. Here's the link to his Twitter in chat. I'm going to go ahead and make sure that you get some extra followers out of oh. this. My my Twitch is three E's. Three the E's. Ones. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I I forgot my password for my, my, my Sorry. Twitch with two E's. <laughs> I have that wrong in the overlay. Let me throw that in chat it's, also. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we got some good questions. Uh, who are the best C players ever, in your opinion? I mean, the goats, right? Mushi and Ice. Mushi and ice. All right, there you go. Uh, what do pros think of the farm system teams like OG Seed, Virtus Pro, Prodigy, etc.? I think it's uh, maybe it's not the best right now because I think Valve has that strict rule where only one team is allowed, like within an organization. But I think it's 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 good. Like an ac academy team is always helpful. You know, like in the NBA, you have G leagues or you have like even lower. Yeah, it's just a way to like for players to just improve and work on their skill. Sure. Uh what do you think about Enigma right now? Is the hero on the rise? Yeah, people are forgetting about it, so it's slowly gonna make a comeback. That hero always like has that up and down phase where oh it's always pick and then uh, everyone thinks of counters or how to deal with Enigma. And then once people start forgetting about it and mix away to like the last pick and everyone's like, Oh no, they got Enigma. <laughs> sure yeah i'm seeing like six minute necro books into push strategies or like the blink bkb build both being very effective right now in pubs mm -hmm. um all right this final question is uh what are the drawbacks of growing pro from your opinion uh you don't have much control of your time um if you like Obviously, it, it it's good when you're successful and you know you you're making good amount of money. But when you're not there, you know you miss out on so many things in life: uh, birthdays, parties, celebrations. Uh, it yeah, it's just like you only have free time when either you win or you don't have a team. Gotcha. Uh, so it you pretty much don't have. A lot, a lot of control. Like that's why, like you see, like let's say Anna, you know, like obviously he's probably one of the more successful Dota players in the world right now. Like after a season, he wants to take a break because it's just a long grind, and sometimes you get like overwhelmed with the amount of time you put into it. And when you're not winning, it, it, it's really stressful. Yeah, I can imagine. Great. Well. Hey, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I know the viewers did as well. Uh, thanks for all the great questions from chat and our Patreon supporters here on Dota Alchemy. Uh, anything that you want to plug? Anything you want to shout out? Um, any, anything at all? The the last minute is yours. Take it away. No, I mean just thanks for all the support throughout the years. You know, like if it wasn't for the fans, you know, Dota wouldn't be as as big as it is right now. So, you know, all the pros and all everyone owes it all to the fans and the players. Great. Well, you heard it here. You guys are what actually matters. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time and signing out.